your attention tonight to Matthew chapter 3 and verse 3. And I wish somebody would help me be looking for a family named Thousands. Help me to find somebody. Let's get them watching our podcast. I could actually tell people we have thousands watching us on our podcast. So if you know of anybody with that name, please try to get them watching our podcast and let me know because I'd like to brag to some of my friends that I literally have thousands watching me teach and preach on our podcast. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be awesome. As it is right now, it's just hundreds. Uh, I know there's a lot, there really are a lot of people that watch our podcast. We were at my wife's 50th Facebook Live. Okay. That's how much I know about it. <clears throat> we were at my wife's 50th uh, class reunion, and I had somebody walk up to me and say, I watch you all the time. I watch your preaching all the time online. I said, really? And then I had some others to, to tell me that. My wife said, almost any given service We'll have 60 to 100 people watching our, our Facebook Live. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, <clears throat> I do want a balanced church. I do want us to be balanced. I, I don't want us to ever get overbalanced where we just, all we preach is uh, blessings. All we preach is about good things happening to us. There's times that... You have to preach a little something to stir people and shake us up. And then there's sometimes you just get back to the doctrine. Now sometimes when you get back to the doctrine, we've heard that quite a bit, and it almost can be boring. And we can almost get quiet and almost go to sleep when pastor starts teaching that. But I did feel impressed. And it may not be for anybody here. It may be for somebody that's watching us. There may be somebody tonight that is real close to getting the revelation of the oneness of God, Jesus' name, baptism, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. There may be somebody that does not understand that. And while I'm teaching it, God could speak to them like he did each every one of us. And it may happen that God reveals to them. So tonight... I'm going to be teaching. I felt impressed to do this a few weeks ago. I talked about the wonderful name of Jesus. I think it was last week. And uh, I started out teaching a little bit on the doctrine. Tonight, it's on something that everybody ought to be excited about. And that's baptism. Baptism is one of the greatest things that can happen to you if you do baptism right. If you do it wrong... All you're doing is getting wet. And I don't mean to degrade anybody or tear anybody down or insult anybody by saying that. But if you do not obey what Jesus was saying when he was teaching about baptism and Peter was teaching about baptism and Paul was teaching about baptism, if you do not adhere to their teaching, 
and you do get baptized in a way that's other than what Peter and Paul and Jesus said, then literally you're not obeying what Jesus said do or what these men said do or what the Bible says. You're only getting wet. And it does not have a great significance. It's very important that we know how to get baptized. I don't know, maybe there's somebody here that's never been baptized in Jesus' name. The greatest thing you could do for yourself is to say, I need to get baptized in Jesus' name. Because you do. And I hope when I get through here this evening that you will understand that a little better. For this is he, verse 3, chapter 3 of Matthew. That was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea, and all the region round about Jordan. And notice what happened when they went to meet John and were baptized of him, confessing their sins. There's something about the experience of baptism that has to take place before you're really ready to get baptized. Repentance is absolutely a must. But I'm going to tell you, confessing your sins will get you down the road real quick with God when you just acknowledge, I'm a sinner, I have made mistakes, I'm wrong, I'm a sinner, I've been a bad boy or a bad girl, and God, I want you to forgive me. All of that gets you ready to be baptized. In verse 11 says, I indeed baptize you with water, Unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I. Anybody want to guess who it was that came after him? Huh? Jesus. He said, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. For John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of you. And comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, everybody say, Jesus was baptized went up straightway out of the water. Notice he was down in the water, submerged in water, and went up out of the water. 
And lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighteth lightning upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. What an awesome event that we have recorded in the Word of God that Jesus proves and shows to us how important baptism is because he himself humbled himself and went and was baptized under John. God's not going to ask you to do something he wouldn't do himself. And that's pretty awesome, isn't it? Now turn to somebody and say, God bless you and you are awesome and you're a nice person and I love you and I'm glad to know you. Now, I did not say you were dismissed. I just said, say all that, and uh, you can be seated, and uh, we'll just go right on with this lesson. In this world in which we live today, you can hear almost anything concerning religion. Our families and our friends may tell you one thing that they think you ought to do or must do in order to be saved, and yet another family member or friend may tell you something entirely different that they believe or they think that you must do in order to be saved. I am so glad that we don't have a religion or an experience or a God that has a wishy-washy message that we cannot understand or don't know how to interpret. I am glad that God gave us a message that is very understandable. Amen. I appreciate that about the Lord. I'm glad that I can understand this gospel. Everybody has an opinion. They all have an opinion, everybody. Somebody say it again. Somebody asked me to say it again. I'll say it again. Everybody has an opinion. But it doesn't mean it's a, a right opinion. It doesn't mean that they have truth. As a minister, I've been preaching and teaching over 47 years, and I am amazed at the number of people who are so quick to tell you what they believe or what they think, but they cannot show you what they believe or what they think in the Bible. I've asked some before when they would get off on these things that people believe and say, and I've asked them, well, can you show me where that's found in the Bible? What you're saying, can you tell me where that's found? Because if you can show me in the Bible, hey, I want to believe that too. I want to be believing that if it's in the Bible. And you know what? Most people can't even begin to tell you what they believe is found in the Bible and they cannot take you to the place that it is found. They cannot show you in the Bible what they believe, but they keep 
on believing it because they believed it so long, they cannot believe that they're actually wrong. Anybody ever been wrong besides me? A couple of you are honest. Some of you are just big old liars. You know you've been wrong. You didn't vote when I asked you. Show me your hand. You just, you just, oh, just didn't answer. I won't call you a liar, liar, but anyway. We've all made mistakes. We've all done wrong. We've all thought things. I, I know I've thought things that I heard all my life. And then one day somebody preached a message or told me and explained it in the Word of God and showed me verses. And I thought, well, that's not what I've been thinking or believing all these years. You know? There are a number of things that we believe that's not even Scripture. Come on, you have to give me a good old Baptist nod on that. You know that's the truth. We believe things that's not even Scripture. We really do need to be sure of our salvation and not be guilty of believing anything concerning salvation that is not found in the Bible. I was curious as to what other preachers and other churches believe about baptism. So in my study, I began to read a few, and I found a Presbyterian pastor that was trying to explain baptism. Here's what he said. He said, let's just take a hypothetical situation. Now, I'm reading his words, okay? Suppose you are visiting a friend in the hospital and you realize she's about to die right now. Your friend manages to say before she dies, I believe in Jesus. And then she says, but I was never baptized. Can you take out or water out of the sink and baptize that dying friend? He says, well, of course you can. Now, I'll start right there. Boy, you're going to, have to take a lot of water out of that sink to baptize somebody. Because baptizing is not sprinkling. And it's not taking a cup and pouring it. That's being submerged or overwhelmed with water. Completely covered in water. So, I'll have to say, at this point, unless they got some container over there, and boy, they're really dipping, they're probably not going to be baptizing right. Okay? And can you take water out of the sink, baptism? Of course you can. Can you be saved without baptism, he asked. And then he says that leads to another question. Suppose, in spite of your best efforts, your friend in the hospital dies before you administer baptism. Can she be saved without it? Is she doomed to go to hell because she was not baptized? And then he says in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, we have the incident of the good thief. Jesus was crucified between two criminals. One of them railed him and mocked him, but the other rebuked the mocker and said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
Jesus said unto him, today you will be with me in paradise. And that's, that's a good argument. I like that. But he goes on to say, it does not appear likely that this thief on the cross was dunked or even sprinkled while he was on the cross. But we have the word of the Lord that he is in heaven with Jesus. He's in paradise. And that is good enough for me is what the preacher says. That answers this question, he says, about your friend in the hospital who died without baptism. If she believed in Jesus and she said she did, then the word of the Lord is hers. And here it is. Today you will be with me in paradise. So he's saying that you really don't have to worry about baptism. And he asked this question, can you be saved without being baptized? He says, of course you can. Because baptism does not save you. It is only a symbol of salva salvation. There are, he goes on to say there are three basic modes of baptism. Boy, this guy has really thunk it out, hasn't he? I mean, he has searched uh, the scripture and he's found out. And he, he came up with the Bible saying there's only three modes of baptism. Uh, dunking, pouring, and sprinkling. And he said we accept all modes of baptism as equal and valid. Why is that, he says? Because it is only symbolic anyway. Getting dunked does not save you. Getting sprinkled does not save you. Getting poured upon does not save you. The mode of baptism does not save you because baptism is only a symbol of salvation. Well, I don't really know this guy. I, I, I didn't write his name down on purpose. I didn't want to use it for all those thousands of people that are watching or could be watching tonight. I don't want to say anybody's name, but I kind of feel sorry for this guy because he has not studied baptism out. If you go to the Word of God, you're not going to find dunking and sprinkling anyhow and pouring on you anywhere in the Bible. It does not exist. Somebody say amen. amen. And so I want to cover a few things tonight. And I want to ask a few questions and try to answer them. Number one, is it necessary to be baptized? Now, according to this preacher that I just referred to, it's not really important because it is only symbolic. It's only symbolic. It's not necessary or important. Let's go to John chapter 3, verse 1 through 8. And notice what Jesus Christ is saying. Everybody say, this is what Jesus said. You want to know what's going on in the Bible? When you come up to some red letter words in the King James Bible, that means that Jesus is speaking. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, you'll understand that Jesus is God. And we believe that, don't we? Jesus is God. He was, he was God manifest in the flesh on this earth. And all the fullness of the Godhead 
dwelt bodily in Jesus Christ. So Jesus was God, and Jesus was the Holy Ghost. Jesus was the Father. Jesus was the Son. And now he's given us red-letter edition words for us to look at. Let's look at what he said. Notice in, in John 3, 1 and 8, Jesus was referring to baptism in water and receiving the Holy Ghost when he started out talking to Nicodemus. In verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except, I guess you could even use the word unless, a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then in verse 5, Jesus answered him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 6 says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit, spirit. Verse 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you might consider being born again. Huh? Must. Well, that's a little different than might consider, isn't it? Must is almost emphatic, isn't it? In fact, I'll say it is emphatic. He didn't say you might think about it, you might consider it. He said, you must be born again of water and spirit to enter and to see the kingdom of God. Matthew 3.13 is another portion of scripture where Jesus was talking. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. And when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water and lo, the heavens were open. Verse 17, the voice, I read this a while ago, saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, according to these two verses or passages of Scripture, Jesus said, We must be born again of water, which means baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, which is being born of the Spirit. Not only did Jesus said you must do it, but as I said a few minutes earlier, Jesus himself was baptized, showing us the importance of it and the obedience to it. He did it himself. And so we're starting to understand that baptism is not just symbolic. It's not something just to be thought about or considered. In Matthew 28, 19, a lot of Pentecostals are scared of that passage of Scripture. That's where I always go as quick as I can when I'm teaching a Bible study. I like to get on Matthew 28, 19. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost 
most churches today take this verse of Scripture, what Jesus said for us to do, and they merely say what Jesus said, but they do not obey what Jesus said. Let me give you an example. <clears throat> all right, Brother Bennett, I want you to do something, all right? In a moment, I want you to get up and go to the store and get a gallon of milk, a dozen eggs, and a pound of coffee. How's that sound? You got that? Okay. Brother Bennett, go get the eggs and the milk and the coffee. Yeah, right now. You got any money on you? He's making preparation to go do that. But, stand up. I said that to Brother Bennett, and if he just stands there, and he says this, go to the store and get a gallon of milk, a dozen eggs, and some coffee. I say, yeah. He says, go to the store, get a gallon of milk, a dozen eggs, and a can of coffee. And I smile and I say, yeah. He says, go to the store. And he say that until he's blue in the face and he gets weak and has to sit down. And you can sit down. But he has not done what I asked him to do until he goes to the store and buys eggs, milk, and coffee. And people are saying, a lot of people go and they say, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. They're not doing what Jesus said do. Jesus said baptize in the name. Now let's look at it. Let's break this verse down and see what Jesus was actually saying. The first part of that verse says this. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. Does everybody agree with that? That's what that verse says. Do we agree that the Lord is saying in the first part of this verse, teach all nations and baptize them? Is there anybody that does not believe that that's what that scripture says and that's what Jesus means? Raise your hand if you don't believe it. If you do not believe it, it looks like everybody does believe it. We all agree with the first part of this verse, but how did Jesus want us to baptize them? We agree, he said, go teach all nations. That's everybody. We ought to be trying to win everybody. Go teach everybody and baptize them. The Lord wants us to be baptizing people in how? The name. Now, a lot of people get hung up on this, and boy, it scares some people because it says of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And a lot of people think, oh, is that three gods? That is the most... That is nonsense to believe that Jesus Christ would be preaching three gods. 
Because he knows who God is. He knows that he was in the beginning. John 1 and 1, in the beginning was God. Or what, the Word was with God and the Word was God. And it goes on to say, the Word was made flesh and dwelled among us. And when did that happen? Would anybody agree with me that that was when Jesus Christ came to this earth? It was God robed in flesh. Remember, because the Word in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And so we know that Jesus was not telling us to go baptize in names. N-A-M-E-S. What was the Father's name? If you get to studying the Word of God, you'll find out emphatically Jesus said who the name of the Father was. And He even said, I came in my Father's name. What's the Son's name? We have no controversy on that. Everybody believed that Jesus was the Son and His name was Jesus. What was the Holy Ghost name? The Holy Ghost is God. The Holy Ghost is the Word. The Holy Ghost is all the offices. His name is Jesus. There are not three, and I don't know where you could even come up with this, what some people believe, co-eternal, co-existent beings in heaven, a Father God, a Son God, and a Holy Ghost God. Lord have mercy, I have enough time praying to one. Can you imagine us trying to pray to three gods? We get to pray unto the Holy Ghost God, and we spend too much time with Him than we do the Son God, S-O-N God. And then the Son gets mad at the Holy Ghost because He got more praise than He did. And the Father comes in and erupts both of them and said, I'm the Father, I get all the praise, you guys just hush and let them worship me. It'd be the biggest mess that you could even imagine in your mind how praying to three gods would be. I thank God that I've got the revelation of there only being one God. Notice the word used is a singular name. Baptizing them in the name. Singular. Why did Jesus say name instead of the plural word names? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are not names. These are only titles or positions that God has fulfilled. For instance, I said this I think last week or the week before. I I'm a father. Most of you know that. The Larsons may not know it because they've never seen me with my two daughters. But most of you have. How many of you believe I'm a father? Thank you. I am. You call my daughters and they'll both say, yeah, that's my daddy. They love their daddy. I don't blame them. If I had a daddy like me, I'd love him too. Oh, boy, I, hope, I know they're not listening. They're in church, so I'm okay right now. I may not be later if they check me out. But I am a father. 
I also am Carl and Charlene Gandy's son. I mean, that's, that's a fact. I am a son. And I know I may not act it like, like it sometimes, and some of you may think I never got it, but I do have the Holy Ghost. But my name is Larry Joe Gandy. Now, can you imagine me going to Southside Bank that I've been dealing with all my accounts for 30 long years? And I walk in there and lay a check on the counter and sign it, Father. Or if I sign it, Son. Or if I sign it, Holy Ghost. They go, raise their eyes and they're going to look at me like, hmm, this guy, something ain't right with him. And I promise you, I know for a fact, if I write Holy Ghost on my line where I normally sign my name, they're not going to cash my check. Now, how many of y'all believe that? You believe it. When I go to the bank and I write a check to get some cash, the cashier will not cash my check if I write those things because that's my, not my name. Even though I am a father, a son, and have the Holy Ghost, the cash only comes when my name is signed on that signature line and that name, Larry Gandy, has authority to get into my bank account and pull out some dollars. The fact that the name is the authority helps me understand Acts 4.12 that says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That name is the authority. It's the power. It has, it has something that nothing else can do. And that's why the devil fears and trembles at the mention of that name. And that's why the Bible says every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So what about this verse in Colossians 3, 17? And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. How many of y'all pray over your food? I get so aggravated at people all the time. I'll, I'll be eating, you know, we, at my house or somebody will be there, somebody I know, and, and I'll start eating. And they said, uh, did you pray over the food? I said, I'm eating, ain't I? <laughs> my Lord, I've been praying on my food all my life. Every meal, every day, I pray over my food. You don't have to ask me if I prayed over my food. Yeah, I prayed over my food if I'm eating it. And the Bible says everything you do. Do everything in His name. Why is it we can pray over our food 
We scream his name out when we're about to have a head-on collision. My wife will scare me into almost having a collision sometimes, saying, Jesus! I can't tell you how many times I've just almost lost control because she thought that I didn't see something. We'll pray over our food. We'll pray about situations. Everything we do, we do it in Jesus' name. But when it comes down to baptism, people don't want to think that that would be a right thing to do. They don't want to think that that might be what the Lord's trying to get us to understand. Even baptize in that name. Some people are adamant about Matthew 28 and 19 and believe that Jesus wants us to say over someone when we baptize them, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. Did anyone get baptized in the New Testament saying over them, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost? Has anybody ever read one verse of Scripture where anybody ever did that in the entire Bible? Raise your hand if you've ever found one. I'm looking. Nobody's ever found a verse where anybody ever did that. I don't understand why it would be hard for me not to understand that. Not one person ever got baptized in the Word of God saying over them, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Not one. If Jesus wanted us to do that, do you think we're serving such a weak God that not one of his disciples obeyed him? Not one of his disciples adhered to his message? Not one of them did what Matthew 28, 19 said to do according to the church world that we live in today. If that's what Jesus wanted us to do, why didn't anybody do it? Because they knew what Jesus asked them to do. Jesus asked them to baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The name of the Father is Jesus the name of the Son is Jesus, and the name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. Well, let's look at Luke 24, 46 through 47. This is the same setting. Everybody say, same setting is Matthew 28, 19. Very same setting. This is how Luke wrote it. Luke wrote it this way. He was talking about what Jesus said, and he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. In whose name? 
in Jesus' name. That's what he said. In his name. Among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So we see that Matthew and Luke were saying the same thing. Well, what did Peter say <clears throat> on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.37? Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brother, what shall we do? Peter had been preaching to them about Jesus and uh, the crucifixion and, and all that Jesus went through. And they got pricked in their hearts. They got all stirred up because they, some of them were guilty. Some of them were in the crowd that was saying crucify him. They said, what shall we do? They knew they had messed up. They knew they were sinners. They knew they were wrong. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Matthew said in Matthew 28, 19, baptizing them in the name. Luke said in chapter 24, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. And Peter said in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. All three of these men said the very same thing. All three of them were referring to baptism and all three of them said baptize in the name. Jesus was speaking in Mark 16, 16 when he said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Jesus made it clear there is more to just believing and confessing with your mouth. He said, and is baptized shall be saved. It seems very clear to me that Jesus said, if you did not get baptized, you would be down. So I'm concerned about the preacher that I read from his little summary of baptism a while ago. It appears to me he has not been reading his Bible. Let's read what Paul said about baptism and I'm not going to be much longer. Some of you are starting to get nervous. I've been a little over 30 minutes. Just hang in. It seemed clear to me that Jesus said, if we did not get baptized, you'd be down. But let's look what Paul said. Acts 19.1. And it came to pass while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We've not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. What's that? They didn't say that. I said that. What's that? He said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said unto him, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, Paul knew how John baptized. He knew everything that John said. And what he meant by it. 
He said, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. Notice what happened. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. These men got the revelation. They believed what Paul was saying. And I, I just have to tell you, they got rebaptized. They realized their first baptism was believing on somebody coming after John that that baptism was pointing to the future of something greater that's coming, and that is the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And when they got the revelation of that name, who he was, they believed Paul, and Paul rebaptized them in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, folks, when you get the revelation that Jesus' name baptism is so important and real, you ought to hunger and thirst after it. You ought to desire to want to get rebaptized. If you've not been baptized right, Get baptized in Jesus' name because that's the right way. And when Paul then laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Notice what happened in Acts 10, 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Those Jews couldn't believe it. Peter couldn't believe it. They were amazed that these Jews had received the Holy Ghost. Why did they know or how did they know they received the Holy Ghost like the Jews did on the day of Pentecost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And notice, he said, Think about it. Pray about it. Go on a fast and, and, and try to, you know, break your will so that you can, you know, humble yourself. He said, boy, you got to. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. He didn't play any games with them. He said, hey, this is the deal. You want to know what you got to do? You want to know how I feel about it? Remember Peter was the one that Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom of heaven. That was not literal keys like we used to start our car and open our doors at our house. Those were spiritual keys that opened up the hearts of men and women with revelation of the oneness of God and Jesus' name, baptism and infilling of the Holy Ghost. And Peter was emphatic about that message. And as you can tell with my emotion tonight, I am too. I get very excited about this message. And 
And I know I probably almost sound too cocky for some people. I apologize. I don't mean to, but I believe this message so strongly that I just, I just get emotional about it. So, do you get baptized before you receive the Holy Ghost or after you receive it? I've had somebody ask me that before. In Acts 2, the disciples received the Holy Ghost and then they were baptized. You can read it for yourself. In Acts 8, 12, and 8, 16, they were baptized. Then they received the Holy Ghost. Acts 10, 44, they received the Holy Ghost and then were commanded to be baptized. In Acts 19, they were baptized. Then Paul laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. These scriptures let us understand that in what order of baptism or receiving the Holy Ghost is not the important thing. Peter said in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. Ye shall receive a gift of the Holy Ghost. This is the plan of salvation. This is what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 3 when he said you must be born again of water and of spirit. This is one experience you are not really born again until you just do it. You just get in the water and get baptized in the name of Jesus and receive the Holy Ghost. You can... <clears throat> You can get the Holy Ghost first and then get baptized or get baptized first and then get the Holy Ghost. It is an experience. It's not one step, step two, or step three. It's all one complete experience, and you're doing it all. When you repent, you're getting close. When you get baptized, you're getting close. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you've done it. You've been born again, but that's not the end of the story. You got to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You got to put Him number one on your list of priorities, and you got to make heaven your home. You got to make up your mind I want to go to heaven. Would you stand? I got plenty more Bible lesson, but I don't want to wear y'all out.